Good morning, Great Rolton. How's everybody doing today? Alan and I have been in the middle of a series called Get a Grip. And our theme for the year is taking hold. And we were talking specifically about taking hold of the man, meaning Jesus. The message of Jesus and the moments that He puts in our lives. And so we're talking about get a grip on these things. Alan spoke for three weeks on getting a grip on the man. Who was Jesus? What was He really all about? Uh, why was He here? What's it mean to follow Him? I spoke last week and this week on get a grip on the message of Jesus. And next week I'm going to be speaking on getting a grip on the moments. But last week I began this, this two-part on getting a grip on the message. And what I talked about <clears throat> was that it's very clear we went through a long list of, of verses both in the Gospels where Jesus is saying it, and then in the book of Acts where the apostles are living it and preaching it, and then in the epistles and in the book of Revelation where the message of Jesus becomes very clear. And that is the good news is the kingdom of God is here. Now most of us when we hear about the kingdom of God, we really don't know what that is. And that's not... Anything unusual, we talked about it last week. That Jesus' message was, it's not what you think. You see, in Jesus' day, they had a very specific idea of what the kingdom of God was to be like. And Jesus blew that thought away. And like, likewise, guys, today, you probably hear more talk about the church than you do about the kingdom. And a lot of times people use the kingdom, it's a religious term, and it's kind of a generic term, and it, it, it doesn't really give people the concept of what it's really all about. And I really only scratched the surface of it last week as I talked about the kingdom is near. Uh, I talked about the fact that God's plan is happening. And we talked about Exodus 19, where God first talked about making the Israelites into a kingdom of priests. And then how that was prophesied or talked about the kingdom all through the prophets leading up to Jesus. Jesus says it's here. The apostles say it's here. And then finally in 1 Peter 2, Peter writes to Christians and he says, you're a royal priesthood. A holy nation. And basically you see, you see God predicting it or prophesying it in Exodus 19 and thousands of hundreds, maybe thousands of years later, in 1 Peter they're saying, that has happened. That has happened. And guys, the kingdom of God is something that you, we need to dig into and to learn more about. As I said, I only scratched the surface of that last week. Um, <clears throat> but today I wanted to talk about it in a different way. But before I get into that, if you look in your notes, I believe it's on your notes. I didn't check the final copy that Tom did. Uh, there's a, there's some, a sentence in parentheses that says, Signpost pointing into the fog. Now, I got a kick out of hearing Seth talk about the fog of this young man's life right now. You don't know Seth was the gentleman up here who spoke before communion. I've known Seth since he was eight, nine years old. And uh, he is now 22. 22 years old, married with a child on the way. And in the process of trying to buy a house. And he is in a fog as you heard him say. Let me just tell you, I will illustrate to you how much of a fog he is in. This morning, when I asked him the due date of his baby, he didn't know it. He got the day right, and he narrowed it down to two months, 
between June and July, and he gave me the wrong one. That, he's in a fog, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I can smile about that, and I can laugh about that. You know why? Because that's the territory. I mean, you're, there's nothing wrong, Seth. This is how it's supposed to be. You know, I, have, uh, I had two boys and then a girl, and I told, used to tell people, chapels don't have girls. And then I would say, I've had two, two women involved in my life, my mother and my wife, and I've had trouble with both of them. You know, he is right. We don't know what to do with little girls. Okay? But he's in a fog. And that's where he's supposed to be. He's not supposed to have all the answers. And guys, that's literally the way God... That's a, the, the saying, signpost pointing into the fog, is the way God has laid out things for us. And there's four verses I want to look through here real quick. And I will try to read them slowly. <laughs> Last week I was rapid firing through a whole bunch of verses and then I was, I was just getting started and I was reading fast because they had, the video had taken so much time and I wanted to get done. And right in the middle of reading fast, I thought about Caitlin over here doing the sign language. And so I had to slow down. <laughs> I talk... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm afraid I'm going to get... Ex- I'm excited about this today, so when you get excited, you talk fast. I'll, but I will, I will consciously work on that. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For it, the men of old, gained approval. See guys, this is the definition of faith. It means you are sure that something is going to happen, but you can't see it clearly. You don't know it for fact, but you're sure. It goes on in Romans chapter 1. It says, For in the Gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. You see, we just heard faith is being sure of what you hope for, certain of what you cannot see, And in this verse it says, this is how the righteous are supposed to live. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're considered righteous with God, then you are to be living in such a way that you're sure of something you can't see. You need to be living in that fog. Going on in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. See, guys, I can't, I, can't, I can't see God. I can see evidence of God. And therefore, I believe. I have to have faith that He is real based off of the evidence without actually seeing. In 2 Corinthians 5, it describes the believer's life as living by faith and not by sight. And you see, guys, we don't like that. What Seth just described, we do not like. Years ago, I was driving to work. And the the highway, I drove drove to my business in Greenville from Edwardsville. Usually I go on Highway 140. They had some bridges under construction. And I took what we affectionately call Pokey Road. You take Fruit Road over to Grant Fork, and then you go get on Pokey Road and go over to Pocahontas, get on the interstate and go to Greenville. 
and I'm driving and it's a thick fog. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving, I realize I do not know where I'm at. I mean, I know I'm on Pokey Road, but I can't tell you where on Pokey Road I'm at. I don't know what's coming up next, and believe me, I've drove Pokey Road enough, I know it inside and out. But I cannot tell you what's coming up next, and I cannot tell you where I've just been. But I knew I was on the right road. And guys, that is literally what living by faith is like. God has given a signpost pointing into the fog that says this is the direction you're going in and you're not going to be able to see everything. But you can know that you're on the right road. And guys, I, I bring that all up because what we're speaking of today is two signposts that God has given us. And they're signposts pointing into the fog. Jump to that first verse, if you would. Matthew 19. It said, Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on His glorious throne, you who have followed Me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for My sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read this, I've normally read this in other translations, but when I first read this phrase, the renewal of all things, it caught my attention. You see, in other translations, it said, in the age to come, which is not as clear a translation, really not, unless all of us know what the age to come is like, which we don't. But the renewal of all things. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first heard this term and I first looked at this, I didn't know what he was talking about. What is going to be renewed? Well, that's pretty clear. All things. What is this all about? The renewal of all things. Well, guys, the first signpost pointing into the fog that God's giving us is that God is going to renew all things things. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, let's discuss that, shall we? Again, we're looking into a fog. I don't have all the exact details, but there are some things that are very clear. First thing you need to know is that during Jesus' day, they were expecting and anticipating a renewal or a restoration to come. This is found, is evidenced in two places. Uh, there's some verses in Luke chapter 2 where Jesus is being presented to the temple as a baby. And there are two people there, Simeon and Anna, and they have been waiting for the Messiah to come. God had told Simeon, you won't die till you see the Messiah. And this is what it's talking about here. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. After he had come up and blessed the baby, Anna comes up and it says, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. In Acts 1 
after Jesus has spent 40 days with the apostles and He's talked to them specifically about the kingdom of God. It says, Then they gathered around Him and asked Him, Lord, are You at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See guys, the people of Jesus' day were expecting, the Jewish people, were expecting something to happen. Some renewal, a restoration, a consolation. Um, I found a, a, a theologian, a quote here I want to give. Bob, thank you for the book. Where are you at, Bob? We're here. Thank you. I got Bob's gift. He's been after me to read a book called The Reign of God by Jim McGuigan. And he finally put it in my hands. And that's the best way to get me to read the book is to put it in my hands. And I started this the other night. And, and Jim makes this statement. He says, when we get to the Gospels, and meet people who are looking for the consolation of Israel or the redemption of Israel or the restoration of the kingdom to Israel, we mustn't be surprised. You see, guys, these folks were expecting it. Why? Because they had read the prophecies of the prophets in the Old Testament. And we're going to be referencing that here in a minute. But they were, they were expecting it. Now guys, one thing that you, you want to do, you heard me mention earlier about the different translations of the Bible. If you don't know, the, the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in a language called Koine Greek. And we have that all written, but nobody reads that anymore. It's a dead language at this point in time. But we translations, you can translate using different words, as you well know, with the English words. So it's always useful to go back and look up that Greek word and say, what does it mean? And with the electronic tools that are available today, it's very easy to do. So I went back and looked up this word renewal. I'm not going to give you the Greek, try to pronounce the Greek word because that's beyond me. But this is what it means. The Greek word that's translated the renewal of all things is, it means renewal, rebirth, regeneration. And it comes from two words that mean again. The first word means again, and the other word means birth, generation. Or origin. Guys, when you look up the word renewal, just in our English dictionary, it says to revive or reestablish. To restore to a former state. Become new or as if new again. Now guys, I don't know if you've read the Bible, if you've read the first three chapters of Genesis and you've read about the, the creation of the world and you've read about what we call the fall of man where man first sinned, was kicked out of the garden, was punished, there was curses involved. But basically, the world that we live in right now is, is broken. It is in chaos. And it is not the world that God intended when He created us. And what He's saying here is God has a plan to renew this broken world, to restore it. To its original state. Now what exactly does that mean? We're looking into a fog. Okay, I don't know exactly what that means. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have lived in the Garden of Eden? Okay, most times when you do it, that, that, that statement is very quickly ended with, well, I would have, I would have screwed it up. <laughs> you know? It would have been screwed up a long time ago. Guys, but you wonder, what would life have been like if we lived in a world that wasn't damaged by sin. The world as God intended it for it to be. 
Guys, watch the news and it'll make you sick. Watch the politicians and they will make you sick with our world. And if you're like one of the rest of us that has involved in any type of relationship with another human being, you know that relationships have problems, don't they? I just spoke to a well, not spoke to my wife was quoted telling me about a friend of hers that said, "I will probably never get to go to heaven because I will never be able to forgive my mother." Her mother did some horrific things to her. Guys, we live in a broken world, and it is not how God intended for it to be, but He has a plan to renew it or restore it. If we go on, guys, in Colossians chapter one. It says, for God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Again, guys, you get back to the same concept. When you hear the word reconcile, God is trying to reconcile all things. When you use the term reconcile, the first thing that comes to my mind is make peace. God's trying to make peace. Well, it goes way beyond that. Again, looking at the Greek word, it means to transfer from a certain state to another, which is quite different. Hence, to reconcile, restore to favor, reunite. I looked up the word restore in the English dictionary. It says to bring back to a former original or normal condition. To bring back to a state of health, soundness, or vigor. Guys, I believe it's very plain, and there's a couple of other passages we're going to look at, that God is trying to restore His creation to the way He intended it to be. And that is going to be so much different and so much better than what you have right now. Look at these next two passages. One in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 5. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Notice he's not saying, I'm going to make all new things. He's saying, I'm going to make everything new. Back to what we've already looked at of renewing and restoring. This is God's plan. In Acts 3.21, the Apostle's talking here. He said, Heaven must receive Him until the time comes for God to restore everything as He promised long ago through His holy prophets. Guys, just based off this verse right here, I am presently reading through the old, through the whole Bible, and I'm specifically looking for these prophecies. Which, by the way, again, Bob, your book is helping me on this. McGuigan references these multiple times. But he's saying what? He's saying, it's very clear, God is going to restore. He's looking to renew. Everything's going to be made new. What is that going to look like specifically? I can't tell you. Are we all going to be in a garden and naked? I hope not. I don't know what it's going to be look like, but I can tell you it will be returned to the way God wants it to be. 
And it's so much better than what we know and understand and experience here right now. Okay, that's great, Gary. So, so what? If this is so, if God's going to renew the world, what does that do for me right now? Okay? What does that do for me? Well, that brings us to the second signpost pointing into the fog, and that is I can experience renewal now. Okay? You get that? You don't have to wait. This is getting exciting, isn't it? And I'm talking slow. You guys, read this in Romans chapter 5 with me. Romans chapter 5, it's the beginning of verses 10 and 11, it says, For if, while we are God's enemies, we are reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've now received reconciliation. Because I don't know if you know it, I, I am actually in the restoration business. Okay? I'm not talking spiritually here, I'm talking about my career. I just decided, I just chose this title for myself about two days ago. Alright? Uh, we, we, we own three car washes, we're in the middle of buying a fourth one. The second one we bought was very broken down, though it was open. And we have taken it, we've cleaned it up, we've restored it, we put new equipment in it. And you know, more people are coming by and like the car wash and we're making money, that's great. The second one we bought, or the third one we bought, it's over here on Route 140, you're familiar with it. It was completely closed down. It had had two previous owners that had failed. The bank had taken it back on one occasion. It was built wrong from the beginning. I can talk to you all day about that. And we've opened it up, we've been open for two years now, and we are restoring it. We're about to buy a fourth one, and it's completely broken down, and we have to completely redo it as well. I am in the restoration business. This is what I do. Now, I've got to tell you a little bit of something about the restoration business, for me, because I'm a human being. It don't go the way I want it to. Alright? I believe that... Yeah, I believe in organization. Okay? It's a good thing. Place for everything and everything in its place. And I believe that so strongly. I believe that I should have my life and my possessions so organized that I, you should be able to be talking to me on the phone and, and in the dark, and I should be able to tell you where to find something of mine. You know what I'm saying? You know, you say, okay, you, you go down the stairs, yeah, okay, put your hand on the wall. Go around the wall, okay, I hit something, yeah, that's the hot water heater. Go around it, yeah. Well, I found a set of shelves. Okay, now go to the third shelf. Third shelf, go to the third shelf down. Yeah. On the left-hand side? Yeah. All the way in the back. That's the way I think life should be organized. Have you been in the equipment room of my car wash? It is not that way. In fact, it is far from that way. It is perhaps chaotic is a good word. Now I can find a few things. I repeatedly tell my, tell my employees, put things back where you got them. Okay? I don't care if I had it standing in the corner and that's not a good place for it. That's where I know to find it. I have plans to have it organized the way I just told you about. But it's not that way now. 
You know, I get working on something and I get stuff all spread out and tools and parts, old parts, new parts, and something happens and I can't finish the job and I get called over here and all of a sudden it's a week or two weeks before I get back over here. And I got a mess. And that's going on in three or four places. And then I decide something's broken, these parts need replaced, and so I order new parts and they come in and I open up the box and I cut the flaps off the box and I sit it on the floor of the office and there they sit four months later. And it's, this is the way it is. Now, how do you, Gary, why are you not depressed? Why are you not driving off a cliff? Because it's getting better. It's not as bad as it was. Just this week, on Wednesday morning, I had an hour of time, and I went around and I grabbed every little box of nuts and bolts and bags of nuts and bolts that I had all over the place, and I put them in a nice organizer bin. I didn't have to go buy it. I'd already bought it. I just hadn't got around to organizing it. And now I can tell you in the dark how to find the organizer bin full of nuts and bolts in my car wash. It's exciting. You go down to another area and you can find plastic tubs that are all stacked neatly, and they've got things written on them. And when you open up them, that's what's inside. Wow, it is cool. But it's not all that way. I would be embarrassed to take some of you folks through there. Okay, because it, it's a mess and that's not, how, that's not how I want to be. Guys, can I tell you that is what new creation and you being renewed is like. You see, my car wash ain't done. Someday I hope to have it the way I just described to you. But right now, there's only pockets of neatness and pockets of restoration and pockets of organization. You see, guys, in God's plan to restore the world, He has pockets that He's already starting to renew. Do you know what those pockets are? They're you. And they're me. You see, guys, that's what it's talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us. He's going to reconcile all, reconcile all things, but right now He's reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting people's sins against them, and He has committed to us this message of reconciliation. You see, guys, what's that got to do? What do you mean on new creation? Does that mean, why do I still have problems? Why do I still sin? Why do I still bear the fruits of the sinful nature instead of the fruits of the Spirit? Well, because God, true to His original creation, has a matter of free choice and free will. God doesn't just zap you. Woo, you're new, you're different. You've got to choose if you're going to work with Him. That's what new creation is really all about. And you see, guys, you have a choice then. If you're going to live as new creation or not. Look at this, guys. In Galatians chapter 6, the book of Galatians is written to confront 
a, a false teaching about that the new followers of Jesus, that the citizens of the kingdom have to obey the old Jewish laws, and specifically the one of circumcision. And in verse 15, he says, it doesn't matter. Circumcision or uncircumcision isn't what matters. What counts is the new creation. And literally, guys, what he is saying is, it doesn't matter what you do religiously. What matters is, are you living as a new creation? That is what matters. It doesn't matter how much you come to church. It doesn't matter what level of activity. You can't put your, put your foot down on that and go, this is proof that I'm right with God. This is proof that I'm a, a follower of Jesus. What matters is are you living as a new creation? That is what we're after. God is going to renew and recreate the whole world, and it's starting with us right now. You see, guys, I've got a verse there in your notes in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. And it says, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. You see, folks, I, as a citizen of the kingdom of God, I've received the power to live as a new creation. Specifically, that power is in the form of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says I've been given this Holy Spirit as a down payment or a deposit that is guaranteeing what is to come. But did you know, I have a choice whether or not I'm going to let that power have an effect in my life or not. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's so easy to deny that power. It is so easy to go about my day, go about my week, thinking I'm all right, not worrying about what I'm doing, and living more as a citizen of this world than as a citizen of the new creation. And guys, that's the challenge before you. Okay, what's this got to do with me now? Guys, I'm going to tell you, if you don't believe that there's a new creation, and you don't believe that God has recreated you now, it's going to make life very hard. It's going to make trying to follow His ways very hard. Guys, we have a choice of how we're going to live. Well, what does that look like? Let me, let me ask you. If you've got a Bible, you want to open it. I'm going to read you a passage in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Or the sinful nature is another way to translate that. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love the neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other 
so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Guys, I read that passage because it is contrast. It doesn't use this terminology, but I believe it's contrasting old creation versus new creation. I believe that what Paul is telling the Galatians is that if you want to live as a new creation, you need to walk by the Spirit. And these are the fruits that you need to have. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the flesh. You want to judge yourself. You want to grade yourself. All you got to do is say, which is more visible in your life? Which are you allowing God to flow out of your life by your choices? So that you can be a new creation. You see what it says here? And this is... I don't understand completely how God's going to do things when, when Jesus comes back and judges us. I don't understand that. Completely. But I really believe that the way you live right now, if you don't live as new creation right now, even though you've said you want to follow Jesus, even though you've been baptized, even though you go to church, if you're not living as new creation now, I'm thinking He's going to say, I don't think you want to live as new creation in my new creation. It's kind of like a test. I mean, isn't that what He says here? In verse 21, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And you see, guys, I look at this and I say, we've got to ask ourselves, how are we living? Tim and Alan and I get together on Wednesday mornings. And a couple of weeks ago, we were having a discussion about how we help individuals of Greater Alton live a more transformed life. How do we, basically, though we didn't use this terminology, how do we help people live as new creation? And guys, I want to tell you, I think it begins with do you believe in new creation? And then more specifically, you examining yourself to say, am I living as new creation? Because if I don't believe in new creation... The Bible's just a book of rules. It's a book of laws. And it gets very legalistic and it becomes religion. 
But when it's about new creation, it's something entirely different. And so guys, I want to ask you that as we're closing out today, when you look at your life, which is more visible? The fruits of the Spirit we just read about? Or the fruits of the sinful nature? You see, guys, which do you look at? And, and when you look in the rearview mirror to where you've been, can you see a difference? Are you a new person? Are you somebody different than you were 15 years ago, or even a year ago, or even three months ago? Tim was in the teacher service with us, and, and he, he brought up in the teacher service they can talk back to me. Kind of nice. Not like my kids, but it's nice. And Tim brought up, he goes, do you have an area that you're working on? Is there an area of your life right now that you look at and go, God is trying to recreate me right here in this area? What is it? See, because if you don't know the answer to that question, chances are you're not trying to live as new creation. If you can't look and go, look, I've got a real anger issue and I'm doing everything in my power to not blow up at these things that trigger my anger. If you can't do that, then you're probably not making the effort. You'll never make any advances in that. If you can't look at your life and go, you know, I tend to be impatient. That's an area where I need new creation in my life. And so then when you face circumstances that you want to be impatient with, you choose God to recreate you, to listen to His Holy Spirit, and instead of choosing to be impatient, you choose to be patient. Guys, what can you point to in your life and go, this is what He's working on? And guys, do it with joy. I don't know if you guys have heard or not, but the Cardinals are playing the Cubs tonight. Yeah! And my mother, 78 years old, is half a step from a nursing home that she doesn't want to go to. Lives in her own apartment, doesn't get out much. We're constantly helping her. It's been a challenge. It's been a real growth opportunity for me to live as new creation. And so tonight, my wife and I and my younger son Jordan are going to her apartment on the ninth floor. It'll be hot. And we're taking wings and a banana split. Can I tell you it's not a burden to do that? But if I'm honest with you, three months ago it would have been. Guys, God has given me a mother and He says, He said, honor your mother. She took care of you when you were a child. And I don't want to do that. I will spare you the grossness of my sinful thinking. Okay, of how I would normally approach something like this and my normal thought process. I am choosing to let God recreate me in this one area. And that's not the only area of my life, but I can point to that one area and go, this is what He's doing. I have a friend that I just spoke to a couple weeks ago and he talks about how dark, how evil his workplace is. It's a dark place. And our conversation I was just simply... That needs to become a thing of the past for you. And what I mean by that is, you need to be a light. You need to quit talking about how dark it is and start talking about how you're being a light there. 
You see, because God's trying to recreate you in that place to be new creation. And so guys, as we close out today, I just want to ask you to ask yourself, am I living as new creation? Let's pray. Father, it is amazing when we look at Your Word, what we see. Father, I don't know the specifics of what new creation is going to be. All I know is You very clearly said that You are going to renew things. You are going to restore things to the way You want it to be. And You've already started that in my life. And in the life of anyone who has put Jesus on as Lord. Father, they are new creation. And the question is, will we live as new creation? Will we choose to let the power of Your Holy Spirit lead us to be recreated on a daily basis? Father, that's what I want Greater Alton to be. is a group of people that are living as new creations. Father, I ask right now you can open our eyes to see what we need to see, touch our hearts. Father, this is, this is big picture. We've got to understand the big picture here. And Father, I pray that you help us to do that so that we can be a light to this world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.